2: hello and welcome to another episode of the citizens of Lorcana podcast a podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world we're your host jared and james today we are sharing our thoughts on set one halfway through the set so without further ado let's jump into the episode hey everyone welcome welcome to another week last week we talked with carmen and eric the dynamic duo behind the Larkana Queen social media account. Today we are talking the good, the bad, and the ugly. All about set one. Are you ready, James? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's been there's been a bit
3: of each, haven't there?
2: Yeah, there really has. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, we're both still pretty new to this, so.
3: Yeah. And and experiencing all of those, I think, honestly, uh, over the course of the last man, how long is it? It's actually been two months. Yeah. As of today, two months ago, the game released to local game stores. Well, That's today pretty that
2: wild. Yeah, today that today that we're recording this. Like we waited a full year for this. And sitting here right now, it almost feels like it's been out forever.
3: Right? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like, man, that was just two months ago that we sat down at a game store and played our very first games with real cards. It's crazy. All right. But now we're getting into the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so let's start it off by uh, sharing just our overall thoughts about set one. Um, As you mentioned, we're both basically newbies. Uh, So how has it been overall? And you want to start or you want me to start?
2: I'll start. It's... uh... It's been more satisfying than I thought it would be. You know, I had this fear going in when you hype something up that it won't live up to the hype. And for a full year, James, you and I and so many people were hyping this game up and we never even played it. And so there was really the potential for the game to just fall flat on its face. And I was like prepared. I told myself as long as the game is decent as long as if the game is decent i'll be happy but not only is the game decent it's so much fun and i've made so many amazing friends along the way like here and then also starting locally i am getting to know some of the guys and gals i go out and play so it's been it's been better than i could even have expected how about you
3: it's been a roller coaster uh i have had some highs and lows. Luckily, the lows aren't really super low. I mean, the low of initially just the inability to find product and get product. And then, uh, you know, where that started picking up and being able to find things. And then every week being able to play somewhere and having some of the experiences not be super great. And then having other ones be awesome and finding new places to play and just finding new people to play with and trading and uh, you know, winning stuff actually winning, uh, has been great, and losing has been you know a learning experience. Uh, so it's just been overall, I'd say it's just been a blast, and I really enjoy just the whole roller coaster ride.
2: Whenever we talk about losing, now I just have Heath's voice from be our guest Lurkana in the back of my head. It's not all about winning; it's about finding joy.
3: <laughs> well, the joy I find in losing is when after I lose a game, especially in a best of three playing against one person, uh, my joy comes from figuring out what I did wrong immediately and adjusting on the fly and playing better and winning the next two. That is joy for me is just knowing that I adjusted and learned which I think is the thing you're supposed to take from an L is not that you lost, but that you learned. Yep. And, absolutely. I, and I have been noticing a few times where I learned and I changed and it's really, it's just, it hit me the other day where I'm like, I actually have learned like how to play and how to play better as I've been playing the game and learning the cards and learning like what it is to play a trading card game. It's, it's kind of weird.
2: Because you do a lot of competitive play at local tournaments, and you're actually, like, winning more than you're losing, right? Like, you're almost going... Haven't you gone undefeated a couple of times, even?
3: Just once. Only once. But I've gone three and one a couple of times. And, like, over the last four or five weeks, I think the 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 worst I did was two and two. So, nice. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's actually... Obviously, winning is much better than losing. It feels better, but I think in the parts where I'm losing, like I said, it, it's it's learning and figuring out what what's going on and why and how and not letting it affect you in in making it like a really a, a real big bummer, uh, and just like figuring out what's going on. So I think that's the main thing is just how much it's been growing and and and
2: going from there. Awesome. So we prefaced this conversation by saying we we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. And I figured we'd start from the ugly and work our way back out to the good. So what has been the ugly side of the TCG experience for you?
3: Oh, geez. Uh, I guess. I guess the, the, the scalping or, or the reselling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the lack of being able to find product. And honestly, some of the people I've played against, not very many, but there's been a few people who have just, it felt like they were either being a little uh, underhanded in the way they were playing or doing things, uh, or had a bad attitude, or, you know, things like that, where it just made the experience not fun. Um, so I think that's been the ugly side of it, uh, and we're going to talk about toxicity a bit. So I think that's really the the thing that's really really hit as as the ugly.
2: Yeah. Uh, I view the the ugly as the stuff that is mainly outside of Robin'sburgers control. Like for me, uh, FOMO created an ugly person in me. <laughs> uh it's a person that spent probably more money than i should have it's a person that has just like feared not getting all the promos um and i like i don't love that side of me but when you're in this game and like you want to collect everything that's i think that's an ugly side inside like for set one i can sit here and justify it saying well it's the first set um but I hope going forward I can and tone that skeleton down a bit. Uh, the obvious one, uh, uh, obviously, is just the lack of product and how all the product has been set at fair market value. Fair market value. I'm putting that in air quotes. And today I was called out by the Hobbies and Happiness guys. I listened to their podcast. Shout out. You should go listen to them because they actually did put a very good perspective on the fair market value. And at the end of the day, what it boils down to is the fact that number one, there's just not enough product out there. And number two, the fair market value is what we are paying. So if we don't want the prices to be that high, we should stop paying that much. Exactly. Yeah. But I just, my heart goes out to people who have not been able to get any product. You see it all the time on Twitter uh, people who are like i just want product and um you know you reach out to them and see if there's anything you can do to help but i just wish that everybody could experience this game the same way that i have and again that's something that's outside of burgers control right now they are making amends for that by printing product sooner than even expected but i think that's been an ugly side so far Right.
3: And saying it's outside of Robert'sberger's control is kind of like saying, well, we understand that they're the ones who made the decision of how much to make. But it's like it's not something that they can just make a decision on today and have it fixed tomorrow. So right. it's out of their control and how fast they can do it. Obviously, they want to do it. So it is something they can fix, but it's just not something that can be fixed right this second. And that's the problem is it's, it's going to take months to fix.
2: And people will sit there and say, well, they knew that this was a Disney product and it was going to be a huge hit. But I mean, (laughs) did they like it's an untested product. And people point out all the time these other Disney trading card games that have come and gone. So I think at the end of the day, they made a reasonable estimate, probably gathered as much capital as they were capable of and printed as much as, as they could. Like, I genuinely think they printed as much as they could. I don't think there's any malicious intent to create a, a scarcity in the market or anything. Yeah,
3: at least not at this level.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think they could have... Ent- like, I feel like they probably knew it was going to be big, but the orders of magnitude of bigness... <laughs> it's a real word. Bigness that this game has reached is... Probably something they they never could have anticipated.
3: Yeah. And and it's hard to say that, you know, everyone's saying like it's a Disney product. They should have known. It's like, well, not every Disney product sells. Honestly, I mean, you can still find stuff on clearance in stores. That's a Disney product. Some things just don't sell or they don't sell well. They sell to a certain amount of people and then they're done. And they didn't know if the Disney fans would latch on to this. And they didn't know if the trading card game fans would latch onto this and what happened is is they both did and that's what you get is you get a bunch of people buying something and then it's super popular but they didn't they they couldn't guarantee that that's what was gonna happen it was hopeful but they couldn't guarantee it yeah so it's
2: just been kind of ugly
3: yeah it's been ugly (laughs) but now the bad uh and as you mentioned um the the ugly was stuff that really mostly was out of their control but this the bad is stuff that is in let's talk about bad that's in their control uh so what kind of things do you think are bad
2: about the game uh this is a high horse that i'm gonna get on here um it's just been communication and i feel like there is a ray of hope today we'll talk about this later they sent out this nice long message in the French Lorcana Discord um, that explained the situation because Set T went on pre-sale out there and it was obviously snapped up right away. And they sent out this message saying, you know, here's the deal, whatever. We're going to talk about it later. But I wish that they would communicate stuff like that with us. I mean, even if they were just to come out and say, we hear you. We know you want product. And I guess they have like they have come out and said we are reprinting. It's going to be ready, you know, holiday of 2023. Um, But but then there's other things like this October restocks. We are halfway through October and we've not heard anything about it. I don't even know if it's going to happen. Or organized play. Are we going to hear anything about that? Or. Um, comprehensive rules we're almost a set two and we haven't seen anything so the communication from that end and in just the general community engagement that they've not done I feel like is part of the bad
3: yeah I think I think they can definitely do a better job of communication they've done some so it's not like it's a Complete lack of communication. It's a uh, lack of full communication that I think is the problem. We've gotten a few press releases. We get some some commentary from the community manager in the Discord and a little bit on Twitter, and that's about it. We don't get. I mean, you would think that something like this would be. I think Magic does, has like columns on their website where the people who make the game regularly post stuff about the game uh, on a regular basis about what's happening. And I understand they're busy. They're probably a small company that has only a certain amount of people. But I think it's something that's very important at the beginning of the game to set the precedent that we're going to let you know what's happening. And we're going to fill you in on the details that we can fill you in on. Um, and and I, it may be something that as us as newbies don't uh, feel it, or don't look at in the correct way. But I see things, like I said, like Magic, where they post about things. I see a game that's still not even coming out yet, Star Wars Unlimited, and they are posting about things regularly, about what's happening with the game, about how the set's going to come out, about the pre-release stuff that they're going to release. And they're making all of these posts and these, these, these articles or these reveals with, whether, with uh, these content creators that are like it's constant information coming out more than just a spoiler of a card. Uh, so I feel like there, there just needs to be more, it doesn't have to be like, they're not going to like set up a live camera in their office and just walk us through their day every day, but just like, let us in on a little bit of the information of what's going on. Like, Hey, you know, we have stuff, you know, through the pipeline stuff is heading to the distributors or, you know, something to let us know that some things are in control because I mean, we got the, like you said, we got the tweet about, Hey there's an October restock and a holiday reprint. Well, that was it. There's been nothing since, nothing to say, hey, the October restock is actually coming late October, just so you're aware. Don't look for it at the first week of October. You know, Just because they know by the time we hit the first week of October, they should know whether or not it's actually going to hit the first week of October. Let us know, hey, it's going to be a few more weeks, end of October something like that, instead of just saying, Hey, we told you it was going to be in October and it shows up on October 30th. It's like, well, that doesn't help anyone really.
2: I want to circle back to this idea. I actually do want a live cam of (laughs) Ryan and Steve. I think that'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you said, you know, that it's important for them to, um, set like get their message out there. But I also think, it's important for them to set the tone for the community and for the conversation because otherwise, when when they don't have an official presence on Facebook or Twitter, which they are there, but we're talking about exactly what you said, posting updates and things like this, or just even interacting with the fans when they're absent, it's left to people like us to set the tone for the community just just to give you an idea of you know what we're talking
3: about here, the game is now two months into release, and if you go onto the app, there's you know six news posts, and that's it that's a good point you know there's i mean that so even if they if that's not even one a week, and some of these would be from before the game was released, yeah so that's just showing you that there there's some communication but it just doesn't feel like it's enough it it and i i don't know what would be enough that's that's up to everyone's subjective of you know what they feel is enough ever some people want daily communication some people are like look just just give me updates every once in a while and this is like the far end of every once in a while it feels like
2: yeah no i agree they don't need to communicate on the daily but I I feel like it's really important for them to be out there to set the tone for the community. Yeah. Uh, If there's, you know, we're circling back to this idea of toxicity, which we'll uh, talk about, but if they were there to set the the proper tone, a lot of that stuff would just be stamped out. And to be honest, a lot of people, they get their information about Lorcana from these unofficial Facebook groups and from people like me on Twitter and from Discord, and we try to do our best, but if there was somebody out there communicating in an official capacity, I think that would go a long way towards just setting a really positive tone for the community. I agree. Anyway, so not to dwell on the bad or the ugly, let's share some of the good stuff.
3: Well, start. yes, good stuff. Uh, met some awesome people. The game is awesome. I have a lot of fun playing it uh i really like how all the cards look the art the play- gameplay uh uh it's it's i'm learning something new you know playing a trading card game it's it's fun i'm have a collection i'm buying stuff uh i'm going out outside of the house and meeting people um i don't know i mean just all of that fun stuff and i i think that that's all that's all good
2: yeah i i mean i can't really add anything to what you said but not only everything that you said but even going to Gen Con even going to Gamma with you in Reno those are two experiences that I will always hold and look back for the rest of my life as like highlights and going to Gamma being able to meet Steve and Ryan and uh, meeting Liam of the Illumiteers there that was one of the coolest experiences that I'll ever experience when we sat down to the table and we had what, like 13 new cards that they revealed in those demo decks. Maybe it's 12. I can't remember. Okay. Six. So my brain's a little foggy. That was, that was incredible. And being able to play with Steve. mm. So stuff like that with this game is all part of the good and all the friends, that I've made along the way have been more than I'd imagine. You know, my wife's always getting after me. Why don't you have any friends? I'm like, well, because the people I want to hang out with are right here in this house. But what I've come to discover is that I just wasn't looking for friends in the right places. And now I found like my people, my community and it's just been, I don't know. It's been really cool. It's been awesome.
3: Yeah, it has been. And, and just, and we talk about this in, in the, you know, the Kraken packs thing, just being able to open packs of cards and the joy of seeing what you get, uh, even if it's kind of a dud when you've gotten a bunch of stuff already, but you're still opening packs and having fun. That's, that's pure fun to me. So, I mean, just the, something as simple as opening a little package of cards and little pieces of, as people say, it's just cardboard. It's like, but no, it's joy. It's joy in a pack.
2: Yeah. Uh, I also have to share one other thing. This last weekend, I went up to Idaho. Um, this is delving into my personal life here, but I have two children that live in another state from me. And so I was able to go back home, and they both wanted to learn how to play Lorcana. So I thought that was the neatest thing. So I taught my daughter how to play. She really enjoyed it. And then my son wanted to learn how to play. So. I taught him, I, (laughs) I brought the Ruby Emerald starter deck and. okay, this is just me being maybe a little petty here, but I was like, you guys are going to start with this because if you ruin the cards, if you're not careful with them, I'll be okay with that. And (laughs) then I had my constructed deck, which is an amber sapphire, and it has the Rapunzel's and the Hades. So I played with that one. I did let them both win. Okay, I'm just putting that out there. I did let them both win. But later that day, it was right before bed. My son was talking to me and he's like, Dad, you want to play Lorcana again? And that was like, oh, that was like the best moment in my Lorcana journey when he asked me to want to play again. Like, that's something that I'll forever be grateful for. So, that's definitely a good in my mind. And it, it gets, you just leave the cards there so they can play uh no no (laughs) well he wouldn't have anybody to play with oh but um i'll be going i mean i go up once a month so we'll be we'll be shuffling the cards again next month nice yeah
3: that's that's awesome
2: so So, just being able to like not only connecting with friends but connecting with family too i that's a part of this that i didn't expect because I am not like like you. My wife is not interested in playing at all, so I was super grateful that uh, my kids wanted to share this with me.
3: Well, hilariously, my wife is getting less interested in playing against me, at least.
2: <laughs> You're getting pretty competitive.
3: Um. Well, I was. I was like, you know, I got. I so last week or this week on Monday at the local game store I go to the most often, Kingslayer. They were doing. Uh, a constructed uh, event like they do every week, but instead of just giving away some store credit and the pins to the top and like everyone gets a pack, um, they actually were giving away a trove to the top six and a gift set to seven through 12. And so out of 36 people, you have a chance to win, you know, a, a one in three chance to be good enough to win something great, you know? And so I'm like, I was like, you know, stressing about it. So over the weekend, I'm like, okay, uh, can you play a couple of games with me so I can get a couple of, you know, real life games in, not just something online? And she's like, sure. So she had her Ruby Sapphire deck and I was playing against her and I beat her both times, of course, because, you know, that's what I'm going to do. But at the end of the second one, she's like, I think I'm good for like maybe a month. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and it's and she really enjoys multiplayer she really has a lot of fun when she's playing with other people and it's not just me it's it's the one versus one where she's going to you know when she especially when she's playing games with me, but she, it's like more of a a lose thing it's up against one person she just doesn't like that kind of aspect of the trading card game environment so the multiplayer where she's playing like a family game or a friend's game where it's with a bunch of people and you're having fun. She very much prefers that version of it. And she has played that version whenever possible. Um, So it's not the game itself. It's just that one versus one direct conflict version of it that she doesn't like. Um, So that was, that was fun. So, but I I have a feeling that we're not going to be playing very many games one on one against each other. So I'm like, who can I, who can I find to come, and, uh, you know, go meet him at a game store and play some multiplayer or something like that,
2: you know, as we go. Aging Eric from The Gamer.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Let's go. Let's get some games, games in.
3: in. All right. So we uh, asked, Jared asked the community uh, to share their thoughts uh, as we're partway through the full season. To And uh, he w- selected some of the highlights to um, give their thoughts on the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we'll yeah. So here. I just want to preface
2: this with uh, saying a big thank you to everybody who answered. Um, and the question was halfway through the season, what are your thoughts about the good, the bad, the ugly? Okay. So our first comment is from Stephen duck Kimber. who always has great thoughts. Um, so he says, good. The meta has flowed rather well to keep decks in check, which I would agree. Like we complain about Ruby amethyst being overwhelming, there are a ton of viable decks and there are a ton of decks that are winning, you know, these big tournaments, the bad sideboards really are needed to combat the rock, paper, scissors. The ugly leagues will not sustain a community and having no product for prizes or the potential for allowing people to upgrade their decks naturally is what is keeping this game from being great. Eh, Product availability and I, I mean, I've seen that as product, as prizes has dwindled. It definitely seems like, you know, there are less and less people coming out. Yeah, I've seen it too.
3: I mean, we talked about it a little bit uh, a week or two ago about how many people we've seen at our events. And it it has slowly decreased at a few of the places where the product has run dry. It just took longer, I think, here because a lot of the stores here, instead of selling stuff initially, were keeping it for prizing. Uh So it lasted longer at a lot of places here. Um, so next up we have a little bird noise uh, who says the good beautiful art and intriguing gameplay bad can't buy a booster anywhere in the uk and our restock got diverted to mollify other markets and that's we don't know and the ugly retailers opening all their stock as singles which created extra scarcity by shortening the retail supply and uh, they further profit from the singles which, I mean, I get it. You know, singles are going to be more value for them than just selling straight packs. So I get why stores would do that.
2: Yeah, but... I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I can see why stores do that. And like we have a store here, it's called My Four Sons, and they sell a ton of singles. But I will say it's nice knowing that there's somewhere local that I can go buy singles. (laughs) Like I know that they are selling them at market value or whatever, but there's something about just being able to go be able to buy it, not having to worry about shipping and handling like you just have the card right there. And at least when they open it and sell it in their stores, at least it's getting out to the players in the community. Right. Okay, so next one, we have Matt, C, Fusion, PM. Okay, so the good. This game is genuinely amazing, agreed. The first game in 20 years to pull me away from magic. I think that's saying something. Uh, The bad, buying into the wrong deck, or rather the expensive staples of opposite colors. Tinks, Elsa's, Ursula's, not Rapunzel's, Stitches, or Big Maleficent. I could see that. Like, if you are only going to pick one deck to play and then you get it and you play it and you hate it. And then you're like, I wasted all that money. I could see how that would feel bad. And then the ugly is product availability. And we're going to see a lot of these, you know, same things coming up.
3: That's, that's a kind of a broken record, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Both and all, all three, all three of of these things are, are kind of a broken record because the next one, Eric Holma, uh, furiated, uh, says the good, the game itself heard that before uh the bad how unfun it is to play against the ruby amethyst control deck i agree yep i would say that would fit either in bad and or ugly (laughs) agreed uh and then the ugly says how many people play that deck at my local tournaments yeah uh that monday tournament at kingslayer that i mentioned where the troves were on the line yeah there was way more ruby amethyst that showed up that night than any of the previous like three weeks at least double the number of Ruby Amethyst decks showed up for the same number of people. People wanted those those troves. People want that product.
2: Yeah. I remember when I played My Hero, and when you play that game, you place your character out to the side, and there are certain characters that are control characters, and as soon as I hit them, as soon as I saw that character hit the board, it's like my eyes went red. It's like I saw red. And It's kind of the same way when I see a Ruby Amethyst deck at the table. I'm just like, oh, not this. And I do like my Amber Sapphire deck is really good against Ruby Amethyst, but I've just been so traumatized from playing against it that I still just have this feeling that even if I'm ahead 15 to two, that they're still going to come back and beat me. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's not a fun deck to play against. Nope. Nope. all right, our next comment is from Devonite. Good, repeat here. The game is fun. My wife is willing to play a card game with me, and I think that's a huge one. Yeah, bad lack of complete rules, let alone comprehensive, is bad for the game. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier, and I agree. Like, it's so weird we don't have comprehensive rules. Ugly, uh, scarcity, prices for singles, and sealed. This is not a family or kids game at the moment, but a well-off adults game. And you know what? As much as I want to push back against that, he's kind of right. Like, I can't even begin to tell you how much money I've spent on this game. And if I'd only bought a booster box, if, you know, I bought six boosters for my son, like... (laughs) he probably would not have fun time at a tournament. So I give what he's saying there. Yeah, for sure.
3: Uh, next up, we have Nerd Knight, uh 111 uh, I play competitively at my LGS. I suck at the game, and everyone who wins repeatedly tells me I shouldn't play because my deck isn't good enough, but I'm playing with what I have. Finding cards at retail has been next to impossible. I hope cards become easier to obtain soon. I'm guessing that's the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, and that's that's just it. It's people that are going who haven't been able to find, going to the same places where people were able to find or actually spent the money at the higher prices online or wherever it may be, and they've built good decks or they bought singles online or whatever it may be that they've built better decks going into the same place where people haven't been able to. And that just creates that, that you know, the knocking heads of the, and a, and a not feel good moment for those people. Um, and this is something like we say, the game is fun. Everyone's been saying the game is great. The game is fun. So it's these other things that are causing the
2: problems. That's the bad and the ugly. And when I read comments like this, it's just my heart melts because (laughs) I want, you know, everybody to have fun. Um, but when you just keep getting walloped over and over again, it's just actively not fun. So one of the other things, and we I didn't share any of these comments because um, I wanted to talk about this specific subject on its own. But another theme that we saw in the ugly comments was about toxicity in the community. Again, I thank you for your thoughts and reason why i wanted to address this is because i just got like a lot of feedback and it didn't resonate like it was almost like cognitive dissonance because my experience in the community on twitter on discord and my local game store has really been positive overall even at gen con where it was madness like there's madness there but i wouldn't say that it was like toxic um So I feel like it exposed a blind spot to me. So um, I just wanted to take a moment and share what some people's thoughts were on toxicity in the community. Uh, Well, before we read these thoughts, have you experienced any of that stuff, James?
3: Uh, Well, like I said, there's been a few players who have created a negative experience for me. And um, so, I mean, I haven't experienced where anyone has... Made me feel like bad about being there, uh, or caused any huge problems. It's just been like actual, like in the game, in the moment kind of things where they, you know, if I won, they left the game in a huff, kind of like not being good sports. Um, uh, actually, just in the last couple of weeks, I played the same person twice and they. We're playing a Ruby Amethyst, of course, but they compounded that by playing slow. They weren't, you know, they weren't an efficient. They weren't playing at an efficient speed, in my opinion. So I played them two games last week and they won both of them. And it took the entire 50 minutes to finish both games. Um, And I was playing as fast as I could. Every time I was just like, you know, get my stuff done. Try not to spend too much time. In the middle of my turn, try and think everything out before I actually get to my turn, so I can go as fast as I could. But you know, everything just took a while. And then this week, this, the you know the first game started off the same way, and they were playing at that slower pace. And I won the first game. And then immediately, as soon as we start the second game, they were playing double speed, and it was like immediately clear to me that they can play faster but because they're playing ruby amethyst I'm pretty sure it was going through their mind like I can play at a certain speed and because it's ruby amethyst I'm probably going to win the first game and with the way the rules are if we don't finish the second game then I'm going to win because I won the first game and it just felt to me like they were playing using the clock as part of their uh their strategy and using it with the ruby amethyst deck that does have a better win chance to use the clock to their advantage, but then when someone wins the first game, then they speed up trying to win that second game and maybe hopefully getting to a third game. Uh, so I just felt like that something like that to me is, is just really does not feel good to be a part of. And, you know, I just wish everyone was playing the game from, you know, the upfront kind of way where they're playing to the best of their ability not using things like that to their advantage and that just doesn't seem fair to me so those kind of things are, are the things i've that's really like the most uh the worst thing i've experienced so i guess i haven't really experienced a ton of toxicity yet
2: so let's read some of these comments the first is from our good friend mushu reports so he says when someone new to Lorcana or tcg's asks a question and the answers are filled with stuff like google it or this has been answered x times already and yet still provide no answer there's a reason that person is asking and dissing them just for asking it is toxic in my opinion yes a thousand times yes i don't understand why people do that sure you could google it but you know what maybe you could just give them the answer and then say if you have any questions like this here are some resources you can look up I like, I don't understand why people do that.
3: Yeah. I mean, and if they're in like, so like if they're in the discord, the, it is easy to answer and say, and give them the link to the resources tab for that resources channel, because every question they have may be answered there. You say, look, go look here real quick. If you can't find the answer you're looking for, come back and ask specific questions and I'll answer them. Something like that, I think is, is more of a viable option, but the, but yeah, just the, Hey, Google it. Or, Hey, we've, you know, Go figure it out yourself is just not a good response. Uh, Next up, we have uh, Traverse Tavern, uh, which uh, answered with community. The toxicity in the community is saying things or speaking, acting in a way that impedes the enjoyment of those in the same spaces. Uh, And then for the game, card mechanic deck play style that overpowers a lot of others and creates gameplay that is not enjoyable to those who play against it. There's a lot of gray area here. Um, Yeah, and like I said, that's this is basically the example that I gave of the slow player, both of those, where the community, they made me feel bad playing them, and the way they played because of the game mechanic or play style, you know, was just not enjoyable. So both of those things were compounded in the games that I played against that one person.
2: I just feel like, like, I understand what he's saying, but I just feel like it's so objective anything that impedes the enjoyment of those in the same spaces. So if somebody is drinking their soda in a way that I don't like, is that toxic? I know that's a ridiculous example, but I mean, it's so subjective. Yeah, it is. And he says that he says, there's a lot of gray area here. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. Next we have Sam, the lumineer toxic for me personally is someone who doesn't show good sportsmanship, either winning or losing. Someone purposefully trying to take advantage of someone who doesn't know any better. Also, someone who has a stuck-up attitude, i.e., wow, you used that card in your deck scoffingly. So, this goes back to me, and I shared this story when I was playing against a player who had a Ruby Amethyst control, and I was already on edge, and I was. I was a sore loser. I was a sore loser and I went back and I apologized to him afterwards. Cause I was like, I didn't want like, you should appreciate the one that you, you have. I didn't want to take away from that at all, but it's so hard. Like to not be for the lack of a better word, a sore loser. Like people don't like losing. And I, I don't know. Like, it's just so natural to be upset when you lose. Yeah.
3: So that's one of the things that, you know, I feel like we need to, to practice at and figure out is how to lose good-naturedly and, and well. To lose well is something that we, that we need to practice just as much as uh, learning the curve and the play lines and how our deck needs to be piloted. That's, I think, something that should be on our task list of learning.
2: So next time we're at uh, League Tournament. We should let everybody beat us and be good sports (laughs) about it. Is that what you're saying? No. (laughs) Do that during casual play. (laughs) All right. So tell Beth you're going to play with her and you're going to let her win. Don't tell her I'm going to let her win. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. They don't like that either. Like, yeah, sometimes my wife is very competitive And sometimes when we play a game and I'm winning a lot, I will start losing. But if she knows that I'm doing it on purpose, she gets even more upset.
3: Yeah. So don't do that where they can find out. (laughs) Yeah. So Next up. uh, We have uh, Cam Jancy, uh, who says bad manners that occur during play that prevent other players from enjoying their time. Toxicity can occur anywhere while playing games, from deck building to packing up your stuff at the end of the game. Common courtesy to everyone playing is how to avoid toxicity.
2: I agree. Agree, but I go back to this, everything just being so subjective. If my opponent doesn't like the way I roll out my playmat, is that me being toxic? No. I know. I know, I just i like hard and fast rules and this is so great here and i know like basically it all boils down to don't be a jerk like don't be a jerk yeah be respectful and be considerate of other people that's ultimately what it boils down to be welcoming anyway yeah the next one summed it up pretty well so what did they say Next one's from a user named ghost type behaviors that make people want to stop participating in the community or prevent them from joining in the first place.
3: It's pretty simple. Don't do things that will cause people to not want to be a part of playing. I mean, that that and that covers a wide range of things because we talked a little bit before we started recording about how toxicity uh, in a lot of places is involving, um, you know, the uh the fact that there aren't a lot of women in tcgs and how some people gatekeep women out and that's been a lot of the things that people have talked about in toxicity in specifically but it's it is such a wide range of things that just all of those things that cover that that umbrella of toxicity you need to be aware of and keep an eye on and just make it i mean it, like i said it's a fun game make sure everyone's having a good time make sure you're coming from a good place when you're playing the game and hopefully that will help uh, mitigate or erase all of those bad behaviors that uh, are or can be a problem
2: See, and that's the stuff that's easy for me like people who gatekeep women like you say like that's that's obviously toxic i listen to katie and becky on live laugh Lorcana, and they're always talking about different experiences that they have where you know guys are oh do you really know what you're doing are you sure you're supposed to be here like i totally understand that is unacceptable yeah um and and see that's what i'm struggling with like for me that's easy to see and accept for me the hard thing is expecting people to be gracious losers all the time (laughs) (laughs) especially when you're in a tournament like stakes are high passions are high and like it's hard to not be a sore loser and i'm not advocating for it um i try to like i that's personally something i'm trying to work on ever since that one day i guess that's all you can hope for okay now that i've wrestled with that Now that we've wrestled with that, what are we hoping for with the rest of Set 1 during Lorcana?
3: What are we hoping for for the rest of this? Well, more product, of course. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's really... I think that's going to be our answer until it's not the answer, honestly. Uh, It's just the way it's going to go until we get more people being able to get the amount of product that they want at a better price.
2: This is something that... Uh, on Twitter, James Reimer brings up, uh, more stuff target, targeted towards casual players, like, uh, multiplayer. That seems to be a really good way to get casual players into the game. I think it'd be really cool to see stuff like that. Like we've done the league tournaments for eight weeks now. How cool would it be to go in one day and be like, Hey everybody, we're doing two V2 or we're doing, you know, a three person, three person multiplayer games. It'd just be kind of fun to mix it up a bit.
3: I think so. Yeah. And that's why uh like one of the stores we were going to, uh we started going to, that they run their league as full casual where where you place doesn't earn you anything extra. They give away their stuff based on raffles each night that they do a league event. Um yeah. they I don't even know if it's called a league event really, because they just don't do all of the points. They just raffle stuff away. Um no. and, and all three rounds, it's just you just try and have fun playing the game instead of worrying about whether or not how you're gonna place win or lose. So I think that kind of event uh for stores that can, they need to run if they run a competitive, I think they should really try hard to do another day where they run a casual to to allow for both kinds of players to have the experience that they want instead of forcing one into the other.
2: And I think another way you could do that, and you see this, we're going to talk about this in a bit with the uh, sheet that went out for the organized play for kit two, for set two, but it has different suggestions for how to give people points, like having three characters from the great mouse detective there. Like if you were to tell people, you know what, this week for League Night, we're doing uh, princess versus villain decks. You had to bring a princess deck or a villain deck stuff like that could be pretty fun.
3: Yeah. But, but, but of course the problem with that is not everyone will be able to do it because product That's availability.
2: True. Okay. So, so I guess we'd have to do like poor Kana where it's, you know, commons and uncommons that right. might be the yeah. only feasible thing right now. Yeah. And, and, and so a lot of this, I mean, it, it's all, all of it
3: seems to be just going back to just product availability. Like you can point everything back to that and say that's where it needs to be solved. Yeah. And, you know, I'm hoping in six months when we do our, you know, we're halfway through season three or whatever, or set a uh, set three season or whatever one it is at that point in time, I'm hoping our questions, if we go over these kinds of things again, are, you know, what's the best thing um, about, you know, this set three and we're all talking about how much fun it was with the new characters or the introduction of, you know, Fox and the Hound characters or something, and how they they made really cool cards out of those. Um, you know, something like that is something that I hope is what we're talking about. You know, then instead of now, where it's the conversation always filters back to product availability and all of the yes. things that that stem from that issue alone.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
3: So up for is that is that. All we want to talk about do we want to end on a high note and, and talk about like uh what we what we were hoping to see or do we want to just go right into the Lorcan Lexicon
2: Yeah sure let's talk about what we hope to see set to and beyond
3: All right so what are you looking forward to
2: Well obviously Floodborne flounder <laughs> and Oswald Um no I'm just I'm excited to see the possibilities from here. Like Right now, we have limited cards, limited decks, limited meta. And I feel like with more sets, the floodgates going to open. And I also feel like once we get to a point where there's product widely available, that we are going to see leagues start to fill up. I think we're going to see the game grow a lot at that time. I know a lot of people now are saying, oh, they're killing the game because there's not enough product. And I understand why they're saying that, because a lot of people are like, I'm not going to play it. I can't. But once product is there, once they see a starter deck hanging on a hook at a store, they're going to buy it and they're going to try it. And then they'll be out. I have no doubt. Yeah, uh,
3: I agree. Uh, There's two things. One what i'm hoping to see or what i'm expecting to see is what we saw in this first set and what we're seeing with the reveals we have so far from floodborne which is the people creating this game appreciate and know disney and are creating the characters and the abilities so thematically great that that is one of the things that I feel has made playing this game so much fun is being able to see how they're doing that, and that's what I am hoping they continue to do as we go forward. Is with all of the storyborn versions that everything is just spot on thematically with the abilities, the the no singing aerial, and you know the all of the other things that they've done that just hit the right on the nose, and. Uh, going forward with all the the floodborns and dreamborns that we see so many cool new versions of all these characters that we know and love so that's what i'm hoping is just to see where their imaginations are taking them Uh, but the second thing is and this was pointed out by someone today i think in in on the hq discord and the finance channel was for one piece one piece people are pointing to as the model for Lorcana, what's happening to it where when set one of one piece came out it was nowhere it was so low printed and Prices skyrocketed on, on sealed, and then, like just in the last few weeks, set four came out, and it's more widely available. It's not selling for, you know, too much more than manufacturer suggested retail. It's able to be found when it hits shelves. It doesn't last very long, but it can be found. Um, but that set one box that they then went back and kept reprinting for a while, which is what Ravensburger is apparently going to be doing for this set one. Now, currently, as of today, it's like double retail again because it's out of print and people are still interested in the game. If that set one box is continuing to go up in price two years after it came out and now it's finally out of print after a year and a half or however long they kept it in print and it's continuing to go up in price now after six months ago being straight retail, that means that's a healthy game. That means there's people playing it and continuing to come to that game who want to buy the product and continue collecting it. And that's what I'm hoping we see with Lorcana is that it gets into hands. They have enough product availability to drive that price back down so everybody can find it. And then over time, it naturally progresses to those higher prices because things are out of print. They're meta. Everyone wants them. Whatever it may be for a natural organic process of a trading card game to grow and thrive. That's what I'm hoping to see.
2: Well said, I like it.
3: All right. So let's get into ending segments and Lorcana lexicon today
2: is the word of the week for Lorcana lexicon is a blink. and this is a term that came up because they revealed a card that was Madame Mim Fox form. And she says something like when you play uh, her, you banish her. So you play her and you banish her or you turn another chosen character of yours to your hand. And I know that this is not a correct usage of the term blink, but a lot of people were using it. So what blink means is it comes from magic, the gathering from a card called momentary blink. And what that card says is that you destroy the creature and then it returns immediately triggering its uh, effects. Like, and Lorcana when you play a character it says and uh, when this character is played kill x amount of damage you know like Rapunzel so that would be the advantage of blinking a a character is that you'd get to replay their abilities so Madam Mim fox form is not an example of this but who knows in a future card future set we might see a blink ability
3: it's like half blink right now right
2: yeah yeah, agreed. Because they return it, you know, the card is returned to your hand. You just have to pay the resources to play it again. Can we, can we try and come up with, because you know how I love naming things like my <laughs> decks? Can we come up with a
3: name for where the blink is not instant? So how about a wink? Just, a wink? Well, that's still pretty quick. I was thinking more along the lines of a nap. A nap. <laughs> let's, take, let's call it. You took a nap. All right. huh. All right. We, we got to see if that. Yes we did. Uh first up as you mentioned earlier we had the OP kit for season 2 revealed and it actually had some fun stuff in it like uh revealing some uh some some cards that we don't we didn't know about yet but just in name only because it was in the as you mentioned in the feats or for league points where you can do things like having three characters in play or playing two princesses at the same time or whatever it may be um and i had the link to it but apparently uh maybe they took it down because i'm getting a bad gateway now so maybe we should go find it somewhere so we can actually read it
2: i think i yeah i have i have it saved here so um here are the different feats paradigm shift have two characters with shift in play embrace the flood have two floodborn characters in play which seems like the same things And just so people know, like these are suggestions when you're at your game night for Lorcana League and they give out stickers. These are suggestions for the store to give out stickers to people. Uh, The next one is Treasures Untold. Play two items in one turn. The next one is Villainous. Have three villains in play. The next one is the Great Illuminary Snack Bar. Have three cards with food in the image. The next one is out past midnight have three different Cinderella's in play. The next one is friends until forever have Winnie the Pooh and two of his friends in play. So that's one of the ones where we learn that there's going to be new cards. Um, Next one is now it's a party have snow white and two dwarves in play. Bonus point have seven different dwarves in play. So this one lets us know that the seven dwarves are going to be in this upcoming set. Geez, between Madam Mim and Merlin and the seven dwarves, that's going to be half the set. Right. And and the thing is, because they say you have to, the bonus points for having all seven dwarves in play,
3: that means all seven dwarves have to be contained within two different colors maximum. That'd be so crazy. Right? Because you can't play a deck with more than two colors, so all the dwarves, in order to be in play. It's true. Unless there are regular and Dreamborn and or Floodborn versions of some of the dwarves, and they may be in more than two colors yeah
2: all right so the next one is a warrior and their dragon have raya and sisu in play next one is a gathering of sorcerers have merlin and madam mim in play next one is laboring through the day have hercules pain and panic in play so there's confirmation of pain yeah yeah next one is get a clue have basil hiram Flaversham and Mrs. Judson in play so all characters from the Grey Mouse Detective that we've yet to see and the last one is it's not really a jungle out there have Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde in play which we knew Judy Hopps was going to be in the set but Nick Wilde is I guess kind of a new one
3: yep and I mean we could have assumed that there would be a Nick Wilde because they said Zootopia was going to be included but you know There was, you know, Winnie the Pooh in the first set, and all we had was Tigger and Treasure Planet, and all we had was John Silver. So there was no guarantee we were going to get every character we wanted from that franchise. Yep. So uh, it looks like uh, Lorcana is going to be at multiple events over the coming weeks. Uh, They're going to be at the Luca Festival uh, from November 1st through 5th. I think that's in Italy, correct?
2: Do you remember? Yes. Do you remember the Luca Festival last year?
3: That was where we got the interview where they released some like specific date information about when it would be released. Yes.
2: Yes. And we were all joking about having to learn Italian. Yeah. And we luckily had a guy in the server who spoke Italian and he like transcribed it all for us. Ugh, the dark days.
3: <laughs> but I, I think there was like either an email out about the uh, from... About something, but basically the, Gast- the Gaston promo that was announced for the MCM London, it looks like it's going to be available at Luca as well. Yeah. Which is going along with their goal of no longer having a region locked promo. Um, they're also going to be setting up booth at Facts in Belgium, which is this coming weekend. And I'm not going to even try pronouncing this correctly. Spelling Skeptical?
2: Spell- yeah, I would say so
3: a board game convention in the Netherlands. That's November 4th through 5th. So they're actually doing uh, two festivals on the same weekend, getting uh, that team out there. Uh, no promo news at either of those festivals yet, but we can wait and see. Maybe they will. And of course, this coming weekend in Miami, we have the Miami TCG Con, which is unofficial, but it is now the largest Lorcana tournament that is being held to date with, I think it's 256 participants.
2: 256. They capped it at that
3: and they're doing a second smaller uh tournament where it's going to be teams of 3 versus 3 where no player can use the same ink as one of their other teammates so you have mm. to use all 6 inks among the team uh in order to play and also i think it's something like nine Lorcana artists are going to be there uh yeah. signing cards and doing whatever they're going to be doing so if you are able to go or in the area this is a good chance to go see some uh, Lorcana artists get some cards signed and watch people play lorcana and play some lorcana yourself wherever possible so I, I think that should be fun. And as you mentioned today, Lorcana France, uh, they they got a statement from Robinsberger about um, about the situation with everything that happened with everything going on pre-order and it's selling out instantly essentially. It's a it's a pretty long statement. It's got a lot of information. Uh, Jared reposted it in English uh, on his Twitter. So uh, definitely go give it a look there if you're interested in the full details. But basically they just came right out and said that, yeah, hey, we know that there's people that are selling pri- uh, these things for exorbitant prices. We're trying to get as much product into the market as we can can, and uh, we're doing it as fast as we can. And just, you know, hopefully you'll be patient with us uh, as we're moving forward, trying to do that.
2: I actually want to read two paragraphs in here that stuck out to me. The first one is the second paragraph. We understand and share this frustration about the scalpers. We do not want this situation at any time. We are the first to want to put even more product on the market to satisfy this incredible demand and allow as many people as possible to access the game. That is our objective. Of course, they're in business to make money. Unfortunately, our printers are at capacity and paper stock, and it is important to understand that it takes many months to plan, produce, and deliver such a set. And then the last paragraph here. Uh, Once again, we understand that this situation is frustrating and incomprehensible for all people who do not know the workings of the production of this type of game. And I feel like this is calling out people like us who are like, why don't they just print more? They have the money. (laughs) Uh, We assure you that we do everything we can to meet your expectations as quickly as possible. See you in November for the launch of the rise of the floodborne. Then in January for the reprints of the first two sets. So, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. If they were to put out something like this, that'd be something like you and I, when people complain about this, we can be like, they're trying, like, look at this statement. They're trying, they acknowledge it. Here's why they can't do it because their printers are at capacity Their paper stock is at capacity and it takes many months to plan this. And I don't know. I was just, I loved the fact that they put this out.
3: Yeah. This is something that needs to be put into English officially and put out by Robinsberger, North America and Robinsberger in Germany and whoever, where Robinsberger UK, they need to put it out there as a press release. Uh, I just don't know if they can. It's just really weird that it was only coming through the French uh officially from the French area. I mean, it's just a little weird.
2: The re- I mean, so in France, if you were on Twitter yesterday, the 17th, they were all excited because that's when the local game stores w- were opening up for pre-orders because they had their allotments. So everybody was like doing the F5 gifts, you know, they were all excited about it and it sold out within minutes. And so there's a lot of hurt feelings about it. And I don't think that I know here in America, like there wasn't a general date where all the stores are like, all right, we're taking pre-orders on this day. And I doubt that was the case in Germany either, but they were specifically addressing that situation. Right. And, you know, I
3: guess we're going to have to deal with it here and all the various days that things go on sale and all the bots get them. So maybe they'll release something when it happens here. Who knows?
2: One can hope. One can hope.
3: But we had a bunch of cards.
2: Yeah, the, we had a bunch of Merlin and Mim cards. The duel. The
3: duel between Merlin and, and Mim is happening by card reveal. Yeah. So first up we have Merlin, Rabbit, a four cost uninkable, uh, two uh strength, three willpower with the ability. Hippity hoppity hip. When you play this character, and when he leaves play, you may draw a card, and he has one lore. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you'll notice you'll notice the theme when we get through these cards. There's there's a common theme with these. What's the next one?
2: The so next one is Madame Mim in Fox form. She's three cost, inkable, four strength, three willpower. She has rush, so a lot of people are saying she could replace Rafiki. And she has that ability I was talking about earlier, chasing the rabbit. When you play this character, banish her or return another chosen character of yours to your hand. So you could bounce the Merlin that James was talking about back to your hand and draw a card. Hmm. Interesting.
3: And then next up, we have
2: another Merlin. Squirrel.
3: Uh, two cost uh, Inkable. Two strength, one willpower. One lore and the ability look before you leap when you play this character and when he leaves play, look at the top card of your deck, put it either put it on either the top or the bottom of your deck. So it's basically Ursula's Cauldron as a character. But so, it allows you to do if you if you don't have anything else, it, one, it can be inkables, which is nice, but it allows you to do something for when you're playing that mim that you may need to put something back into your hand and you get some kind of benefit out of it.
2: Yeah, it's true. So next we have Madam Mim in snake form. She's two cost inkable, three strength, three willpower. That's pretty good for a two cost that's, card. Yeah, that's really good. She has one lore. Her ability is just you wait. When you play this character, banish her or return another chosen character of yours to your hand. So another character to bounce one of your other characters back to your hand. And at only a two cost.
3: So yeah. you can immediately bounce something that's a one cost back to your hand if you needed to.
2: Like, the more I look at this card, the more I'm like, this is a really good card. Yeah, 3-3 three, three on two?
3: Yeah. That's that's kind of crazy, because most three threes have been in three or
2: higher. Power creep.
3: Power creep. Next up, we have Shock, another Merlin. Uh, three cost, Inkable, another 3-3. Three, three. And this is Merlin Crab uh, with one lore. And his ability is Ready or Not. When you play this character and when he leaves play, chosen character gains challenger plus three this turn. That's pretty that's
2: pretty good. Pretty good. The other thing, the Illumiteers pointed this out. Do you see the shadow of dragon form, Mim, in here? That's, that's snake form.
3: We we, snake? we investigated more because there's no uh wings or anything. Hmm. If you look at the snake form from the previous one, it looks like it's snake form because someone actually went and looked and crab form Merlin because this is a story born okay,
2: Merlin. Crab. I can
3: see that. the in the movie uh, crab Merlin never faces dragon Mim. So to be story accurate, because this is a story born card, it can't be the dragon. It has to be the snake.
2: Yeah, so next. Yeah. <laughs> Next card, I know you were all hoping for another Madam Mim, but this was a card revealed on the Lurkana Germany Discord, and it is Lady Tremaine Arrogant Matriarch. She's two cost, uninkable. She's on ruby. She's two strength, two willpower. Her ability says, not for you. When you play this character, all opponents with more lore than you lose one lore. This is a card I'm going to have to reserve judgment on because right now it just doesn't seem like a super useful card. Maybe in multiplayer, but maybe there's something coming further in the set that will that will make it good.
3: Yeah. And ruby is definitely the multiplayer color because this is like the sixth card that makes your opponents lose lore in the ruby in ruby color. So that's a lot of work getting your opponents to to lose lore while you play, which is pretty fun for multiplayer. But everyone's expecting a Floodborne uh, Lady Tremaine now to to go on top of this. I would think so. And uh, the final card just revealed actually about, uh, I think, about an hour before we recorded tonight. Uh, it's Merlin Goat. Uh, four cost inkable. Four three uh, with one lore and the ability, here I come, when you play this character and when he leaves play, gain one lore.
2: This is crazy.
3: That is crazy. Yes. This deck is going to be, I mean, a lot of people are saying that, you know, this whole bounce back and forth, leave play, come to play, may not be a meta style kind of deck, possibly. But I mean, just imagine how much fun you can have playing this with, you know, Merlins and Mims coming in and out and bouncing each other back and forth and getting all these kinds of abilities uh, and benefits that you're getting as you do that every turn and just having fun, just like, your opponent's just looking at you like, alright, I'm just going to sit here and watch you bounce characters back and forth, and then it's my turn, and I guess I'll just quest for some lore.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, the Madam Mim snake form is two cost, so if you have six ink on the table, and you could play the goat, get a lore, I guess wait until the next turn, quest, bounce him back, play him again, and that's like three lore, three, four lore right there.
3: Yeah, and If you have multiples of either of these, then you could be bouncing one or two of them, or playing two mims and bouncing two goats like every turn, and your opponent can't stop you. Yeah, it's true that we know of. It's true. So, because the only thing that stops anything right now is is uh, Tiana, right? Where you can't play actions if you if if that person has no cards in their hand.
2: Are these considered actions though?
3: but they're not that's what i'm saying you can't stop this okay. yet there's nothing to stop
2: this yet i know the only thing i was thinking of that could stop it is a uh, dragonfire or let it go
3: yeah <laughs> if they stay if they stay out yeah so one of them has to stay out for a turn right yeah that's all the cards but uh i'm the duel is not over yet so we're expecting some more mims and merlins uh we shall see what we shall see
2: we yep yes we shall all right
3: are you ready for some disney jeopardy
2: bring it on
3: all right so we have no guests to ask so that means it's back to me making jared get like one right again
2: <laughs> with I think impact. i went five for five last time i think so, so. that that felt I, good
3: i'm i i came up with maybe possibly some horrible questions again so we'll see oh this is who carves Pinocchio in Disney's Pinocchio.
2: Who is Geppetto?
3: Correct. That was for 100, in case you didn't know. I didn't put these out of order or anything. For 200. This is what the wicked queen asked the huntsman to return with as proof that Snow White is dead. What is her heart? Yes. Correct. For 300. This is Kronk's specialty food when Cusco comes over for dinner in the Emperor's New Groove.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I remember the scene. I remember the scene. And it's... uh, Honestly, it's like some kind of lettuce wrap. But that doesn't seem right.
3: It's very close. You are on the right track
2: broccoli's coming to my mind. No, okay, I don't know. What is it? It is a
3: leafy vegetable.
2: Okay. It's spinach pasta. What is leafy vegetable spinach pasta? <laughs> okay. Spinach. Bus. I was I was in the ballpark, but are, there's no way I, I was going to pull. I wasn't going to pull that out of my out of my mind. Got to watch
3: all got to watch all the Disney movies again like 15 more times each <laughs> so that you can remember all the little details. All right, we're going to shift gears here for 400. This is the year that California Adventure opened up next to Disneyland. Are you serious? It's four hundred points. You got to know this. Okay, okay, but this is
2: this is Disney Parks trivia. I know. I know. You're jumping out of the realm of movies. California Adventure definitely opened up in the 2000s. I have no idea what year though. What is 2004?
3: Oh, so close.
2: 2001.
3: Mm. All right. Now this one, we're going to do another one. You ready for this? You're not going to get this one either. Maybe. Maybe. For 500. This was the host of the opening day broadcast from Disneyland in 1955.
2: Who is Ronald Reagan?
3: I will give you that one but he wasn't the actual main oh, host that's was right three hosts So I will give that one to you but can you name the main host? It was one of uh Disney Walt Disney's good friends
2: oh yeah 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 yes okay um gosh he went on a cruise with him this guy wrote an auto this guy wrote a biography on him uh yes. what is his name? What is his name? I know who you're talking about. I do. His
3: name, for a hint, is what Disney did.
2: Oh, it's Art. 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 Oh, I can't think of his last name.
3: Close. Because you got the art. It is. It's Art letter.
2: Okay, yeah. I was going to pull letter out of there, but yes, I knew that. And there was a third co-host. You 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 have any clue who that one was?
3: I can't remember. Nah, I, would, I wouldn't have gotten this one either. It was Bob Cummings. Hmm. And it aired on ABC for like an hour and a half and like 70 million people watched it.
2: That's crazy.
3: Yeah, that is crazy. All right. So you got that one because you got Ronald Reagan and he was one of the hosts. <laughs> I'm going to give that one to you because okay. I wouldn't have been able to pull like any of those three from memory um so you got three
2: <laughs> all right we'll take it
3: <laughs> at worst yeah. two and a half
2: yeah at worst. yeah at worst all right all right let's wrap this up if you liked what you heard you can follow us on youtube you can subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice you can find me on twitter or the site formerly known as twitter at citizens of Lorcana. and james where can they find you I am
3: everywhere at Dan Regal and you can check out geekshotphoto.com for photography links for my wife and I and all that kind of stuff. And thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time